Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. What's up, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen of all shapes, size, and sorts? This is Josh Belcher, host of the Uncharted Podcast. I'd like to take this time to ask you to do me a favor if you're listening. Go to the Nashville Scenes website and vote for us, the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast, as the best podcast in Nashville. It's free. It's simple. It takes about two to three minutes, uh, maybe five if you're computer illiterate. Um, but the vote counts, and they, uh, the final voting ends on the 31st of August. So I'd appreciate it if you enjoy this to take the time and give us a vote because uh, we'd just be really grateful. Uh, With that being said, this week we have some awesome guests. We have jazz soul singer Lady A who is being fought over after her name right now from Lady Annabellum who wants to change their name to Lady A. We talk about that, her new single and a lot of other cool stuff. We talk to Bobby Cooper friend in real life to Joe Exotic the Tiger King. She played Carol Baskin in his video that you can watch on YouTube called Here Kitty Kitty. We talked to her about that and a lot more. Very interesting lady. It was really pleasant to speak with her. Last but not least we have comedian slash hypnotist Rich Guzzi who's going to be at Zany's September 3rd. You can get your tickets at zanysnashville.com check him out. Talking about uh, his craft and uh, some more awesome stuff and some things that he's going to be bringing to the table there at the comedy show in Nashville at Zany's. And without further ado, I'll quit running my mouth, uh, well, for this segment, and start with interviewing. Okay, away we go. The soulful R&B singer, the original Lady A, graces our presence here on the podcast this week. We discuss her new music, um, her live album in New Orleans, her new single, The Truth is Loud, and how Lady Antebellum has been picking on her about changing her name. All that and more coming up next on the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Enjoy. Singing sensation Lady A, who I just discovered because of a mishap here in Music City, who I adore, I'm a big fan now, and producer John Oliver. How, how's everybody doing this wonderful day? Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Thank, you. Thank you for having us. Sure. It's my pleasure. As a guy that's lived, you know, in Nashville um, my whole life, and as a drummer and someone that loves music. I know right now everything is just upside down with coronavirus and the mistreatment of people. And then, you know, I see, and I was going to bring this up first, we'll talk about all of it, but I see where, you know, Lady Annabellum has apologized for their name, uh, which is, you know, I'd never paid that much attention to it, didn't know, you know, something was going on with it. And that part I mm-hmm. thought was okay. And then they start picking on people. So, but in one hand, they're trying to reduce racism. And then, of all people, they come after you, an African American lady, a gospel lady. <laughs> and I was just like, man, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I mean, what's uh, what's the scoop on that right now? Um, are they? You, you're the original lady. A. I'm assuming you've been lady A longer than they've probably even been around. So I was just kind of curious. I, I've that. been I've been lady A longer than they've been alive. <laughs> 
<laughs> so let's just get that straight. First of all, I was Lady A back in 1987. They weren't even born. So, um, you know, it's kind of ironic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and, and, and I'm going to say this. I don't, I don't really think that um, they thought it through um, because I don't believe that they didn't see me. And when I say they, I mean their corporate machine. They uh-huh. saw me there. Um, I think that, I mean, at this point, because they've dug their heels in so deep, yeah. um, I think it's just a thing of that's just who they are. Um, they don't care. They, because this could have easily been resolved a long time ago. This is really wearing on me. Um, it's wearing on my um, family, on my um, my producer, John, um, because he's with me at all times. He's been with me for the last 20 years. This wow. could have easily been resolved if they really meant that Black Lives Matter, which is what they said, antebellum. I didn't say it. Yeah. Like you, I, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, when, uh, when they said antebellum, I mean, I've, I've, I knew they were there when they first came out, um, only because when I Googled myself, their name suddenly appeared above uh-huh. mine. So, so no big deal. They got more fans than me. No big deal. Um, it was Lady Antebellum and there was Lady A. So they knew I was there. Um, I think that when they came out with this statement that they came out with, that bothers me more than anything else. Because if you're not true to your word, then pretty much you're nothing as far as I'm concerned. Correct. Um, I believe that, you know, my word is my bond. So and I believe if you're going to say that Black Lives Matter and that you've, and I'm going to quote them, I'm reading their quote, as a band, we have strived for our music to be a refuge, inclusive of all. We've watched and listened more than ever these last few weeks, and our hearts have been stirred with conviction, our eyes open wide to the injustices, inequality, and biases black women and men have always faced and continue to face every day. Now blind spots we didn't even know existed have been revealed. And they had another statement where they said, you know, that Black Lives Matter and, you know, in the wake of George Floyd, they were changing their name. Well, changing your name from Lady Antebellum and shortening it to your nickname, which is a nickname, Lady A, is not a change. That's being lady. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. You're going to change that name. Go go all out. Call yourself uh, exactly. Gentleman B. Do something. Yeah, do something else besides that because you're because Lady Antebellum is the one who said that Black Lives Matter. Nobody forced them to. If you're going to be woke, then and you're going to be an ally, put action behind your words, and it means that you may have to give up something. And the the irony of all of this is that I actually teach race and social justice. <laughs> you know, on my day job. So for you, so when you come for me, um, and when I say come for me, you know, I'm just saying this in the little sense that they are coming for me. Um, you know, they, they when you come for me and tell me that you're trying to change your name and you're trying to be an ally, but you only come half-heartedly, I'm going to call you on it. Yeah. Because that's an insult to black people, indigenous people of this land, and people of color. Because white people have taken our cultures, our names, our language, you know, all in the past. Why would you think that in 2020, I'm going to, after working almost 33 years in this music industry, allow you to come in and decide that you want to share my name with me? Because that's basically what they want to do. They want to share the name. I don't have to share this name with you. 
Um, right. I've been, I mean, if you want to do, do the right thing, you know, they say they're Christian, then do the right thing. The right thing is for you to do what you said you were going to do, which is change your name. Um, and I think they've dug their heels in so much now that their privilege is really showing. Yeah, well, see, they they're all out of nepotism. The the main singer, her mother was a you know a recording artist before her, and they all come from some kind of stock in some kind of industry. And you know, I never <laughs> reminded them they they weren't my cup of tea. You know, um, I, I like country music, but you know, I'm more of the older generation. I'm I'm thirty. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm thirty. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm 38, and I kind of cut off with it after 2000, but I'm reading it, and I'm like, you know, I'm reading it on the news and through the, you know, the country wire and all that, and I'm like, okay, good. You're going to take a stand like you said. But then, you know, uh, within a day or two later, I'm looking down, and I'm like, and they're going to pick on this woman, you know, and she's an African-American lady, and I'm just going, my gosh, how stupid. Well, you know, it. It's like I said, they've dug their heels in, and I think that they're digging their heels in on the wrong thing. They, you're, their camp, whoever's advising them, they're allowing their privilege to show. They are showing <laughs> a side of white America that shouldn't, that they should not be doing right now. And I'm just going to say that and be honest about it. I'm not calling them racist. I'm not saying that they're racist. I'm saying that you chose to tell everybody in America that you were woke and tell everybody that, you know, your eyes have been opened and your hearts have been stirred with conviction. So either that's true it's, or it's a lie. There's no middle ground here. Um, you need to change your name completely or come out and say that black lives really don't matter to you. Yeah, you're trying you can to make a statement. Yeah, yeah, to bring yeah, more attention. I'm not going to allow you to insult my intelligence by trying to take something that I've worked hard for or – anyone else in this industry. I've had so many people reach out to me and tell me that, you know, um, songs have been taken from them. Um, their names have been taken from them by big business. Well, I'm not the one, and I will go the distance yeah. with this. So, there's no, I'm not giving this up, and I'm doing it mainly not just for me, but for all those people that have written to me um, who now have to search for 20 minutes just to find me. Um, you know, to find my music, uh -huh. it, it's it's incredible because this normally, you know, if we weren't in COVID, normally, you know, I'd be out, you know, touring and 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 um, selling my new CD, Lady A Live in New Orleans, along with my new single, The Truth Is Loud. Oh, I mean, yeah. I've put out six CDs under Lady A. They put out one, and they did it the week before The Truth Is Loud. My single came out. Oh gosh. Well, yeah. um, uh, so you just hit on something I was about to bring up. Yeah, um, you know, that's why, you know, you don't get the title hardest working woman in the business for no reason. When I read that, I was like, I don't just pass that around. You must be really getting after it if it wasn't for COVID. <laughs> oh, I'm still, you know, I'm still doing the things that I do. Um, I'm an activist as well as um I run, you know, my own production company where I bring artists from that are outside of Seattle to Seattle. I tour, you know, um, and I work a day job. I do a ladies' luncheon. I'm a mentor for the Rhapsody Project. I have two radio shows, um, wow. Lady Eight Black and Blues, the B-side, um, which is blues, soul, R&B, country, because I love country music. Nice. Yeah, uh, but I'm like you. I like the older country, and I'm a lot <laughs> older than you. <laughs> and... 
and I have a, a gospel state, a gospel show on Sundays. Um, I run a red and white affair for the homeless. Um, uh, yeah, I keep busy. You know, yeah. I can sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're making me yeah, just describing all that's making me tired. But um, you know, what really interests me this live in New Orleans. I just visited New Orleans. Uh, the French Quarter for the first time a weekend ago, and uh, even though it was empty, uh, the the ambiance and and everything that's been in and out of there, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, that's just awesome that you took the time to record there. Are, are you do you visit there often, or is it just something you you just decided to do with your last album? No, I mean my people are from Louisiana, so nice. yeah. the, um, we're from you know yeah, we're from Alexandria, but I was born and raised in Seattle. However, I have ties to Louisiana. But in that, I also um, have toured down in New Orleans and uh, done the Delta tour in the Mississippi area, um, Tennessee. And what happened was the um, the jazz museum was allowing was they were having musicians from anywhere across the country that could come in, and um, they would allow you to come in and do a live show. And so um, yeah. I just decided, so I said, well, you know what, you know, I mean, you got to use the venue. And, of course, it's four people in New Orleans. And I, I really wish Seattle would do something like this. And I have talked to them about doing something like this for musicians in your local area. And uh-huh. I thought, well, you know what, if I can raise enough money, I'm going to take my band who has, you know, been with me for years. And um, I want to take them to New Orleans, and let's just record. It was our first live recording, believe me. It's not easy to go record somewhere live as an independent artist. (laughs) You know, we had to raise the money. You know, we had sponsors and we had people. You know, we did our thing and we raised the money. We got down there. You know, but I'm booking agent, manager, travel agent, the whole thing. (laughs) But it was fun. Once we got there, it it was a lot of fun. Um, There's a lot of things I learned from it. The next time I do a live CD, I'm going to do it in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. but it was yeah. fun. We had a time. That's awesome. And and the way you carry yourself, I can see now why your motto is be blessed and be a blessing. You just, you're just a blessing to be around. You just sound so exciting. And I hope when COVID's over, maybe I can give the high five or at least come see you perform. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I do too. I would love for you to come in to hear me perform. I prefer I perform in Memphis quite a bit. Good deal. So. That's a good hot spot there. That's where yeah, that's where just about everything kind of meets there. The Delta Blues, rock yeah, and roll, it's yeah. a little bit of everything. What, a little um, bit of everything. Yeah. Let's discuss this powerful groovy single and, and uh did and John Oliver, he had his hands in it, right? Uh the producer that's on here with us. Yes, John. Yes, I'm here. Yes. Okay, good. John, I was just gonna say, you know, this this new single, Truth is Loud, it's uh it's groovy. It's groovy, but it's got a message. Like I've never quite heard anything like it. Like it's got a good meaning and, and it's got, you know, positive, you know, lyrics, but you can dance to it too. I like I've never experienced anything like it. It's just uh you know, my hat's off to both of your creativities when it came to this jam. Oh, that's wonderful. And listen, let me give props to, like uh, a lady A said, to our friend Roz Royster McCommon because she actually sent, did most of the music. And so you're going to find this funny. As I'm a drummer as well. And so nice. what I did is when Roz gave me the track, 
what I did is I added two extra drum kits on it. They're real subtle, but they're kind of there, you know, because you know how it is. The drums, we, we keep the rhythm, and we help make sure everybody's moving and grooving. So, yeah. you know, I kind of bulked it up. I added my little flavor to it, and, yeah, it's a great song, and it's different, and it's a song for the time that we live in, right, because the truth is, loud. we got to have uh, discussions where we're uh, – we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable, and that's the yeah. only way change is going to come about, right? Not just in our country, but look at the whole look at the state of the whole world, right? All of us have to have these conversations where we're comfortable being uncomfortable. That way, we can get an understanding, right? That's just like the neighborly thing to do, right? If, if yeah. think about if all of us did that in our communities, we just had these truthful conversations, right, and right, just yeah. got an understanding of one another, and then we moved on, right? Because that's what we tried to do with Lady Antebellum. I mean, because think about it, this artist who has sold over 10 million albums literally approached Lady A as an independent artist. That's something that we've never seen, right? I mean, they uh-huh. literally called her. They wanted to talk. They they approached us. They told us about the problem. And we're listening. We're like, okay, okay. Oh, we hear what they're saying. Yeah, they kind of got woke up. They had this epiphany, Black Lives Matter, you know, this, that, and the other. And then they said, hey, we changed our name to Lady A. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, what, what do you mean, Lady A? There's oh, already no. a Lady A. And then they <laughs> and then they said, well, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to coexist. And we're like, uh, I don't think that can work. For, and you, listen, this is what's funny. One of the very practical things we brought up was, how is Alexa going to differentiate between Lady A and Lady <laughs> A? If you say, Alexa, play Lady A's playlist, Alexa's confused. Oh, right? yeah. And even if you go on iTunes, right? iTunes has like could have like Lady A's live in New Orleans, right? But with a picture of the band Lady A, right? That doesn't work. Yeah. So those are the details we want it worked out that they never address, right? And that's why yeah. the truth is loud. We got to have these conversations, and, we're and comfortable it, being uncomfortable. And and in fact, that you brought that up, you know, a, a guy like me, uh, which is, I mean, it's obvious to tell by my voice. I'm just your average white fellow, but <laughs> I do see. BS, you know, when I when I see it, which was, you know, what intrigued me to speak with you guys because I was like, you know, here in the Nashville area, Lady <laughs> Annabelle, I'm trying to be a bunch of punks. But uh, just like you had said, I, I, I listened to Spotify, and I had to actually uh, move over to YouTube to find uh, Lady A's, you know, Truth is Loud and everything because it all gets jambled. Like you said, you'll see, uh, it'll say some of her songs, but it'll show their pictures, and it's just, you're like, what, what's going on here? Like, I'm not wanting to you know, listen to, you know, this, I want to listen to that. So I actually had to go to YouTube and, like, punch it in. Right. And the problem that we were having with them, Josh, is that, you know, like I said, how does what does coexistence look like? Because if you say Lady A, as you said, then their picture comes up in my songs or my or their songs in my pictures. You now have to literally say what song it is that you want to hear by me. And you did not have to do that before. Um, And that's what bothers me is that they never addressed that. And we could have been trying to work through this, and it would have taken some time. But now what Antebellum has done, because I refuse to call them Lady A, what Antebellum has done is they have decided that they want what they want, and they intend to have what they want. And that shows me that you were disingenuous from the beginning. So let's just call it what it is. You had no intention of changing your name. Yeah, they just wanted to. 
like and almost you, like right. a, a publicity stunt more than anything. Exactly, and and I didn't want to call it that, but it was a publicity stunt. You didn't mean anything you said. You and so and therefore you are insulting our intelligence. And to do that in this time, this age of where we are now, where people are. Um, they're boxed in their homes. They feel like they're quarantined at home. And we are trying to get past racism. For you to bring up race, because I didn't, Lady Antebellum did, yep. and you, George Floyd's murder in the street as you trying to be woke, that is a slap in the face to every black person, indigenous person of this land, and persons of color. It is a slap in our face. Like John said, and, and here's another is another piece of irony. I run a panel, a discussion panel, called The Truth is Loud. That's where that song, um, the song didn't come from that. The song came from when after George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. That's where the song came from. Um, I write a lot of activist songs. Um, Change the World is an activist song on my Do and Fine CD. Um, I've written songs, you know, and I wrote that after Trayvon Martin died, but I just couldn't put it out. Because I was so angry and I had to get past that. So, you know, I run a panel called The Truth is Loud, White Mm -hmm. Ally Roles in 2020 and Beyond. So Mm -hmm. it is a discussion. Like John says, it's like having these discussions, if we talk to one another, like if we were in our neighborhood and you get to know your neighbors, you find that you have more in common than you do. That you do, that you disagree on. We all can get there. We just get there a different way. No. So if and, we, but if, but the discussion has to be had, and sometimes those discussions are uncomfortable. But if you come and be blatantly disingenuous, and I see that you're being disingenuous, I'm gonna call you on it. Yeah, I mean, I and that's what I'm doing for Lady Antebellum. I am calling you on it. You need to change your name. Exactly, and and that's you know, a I wanted to speak with you, Lady A, on the podcast because you know I wanted to say you know how you know just asinine it is on their part, but I didn't want you to think all of us country folk here act and, and had that same mentality. <laughs> I don't think that just like all black people aren't thugs. That's right. Yeah, that's you right. Know, I don't, I do not think that at all. I have a very diverse audience. I, I, you know, like I said, I run a women's empowerment, a ladies luncheon every day. These, these are not just all black women. I run the gambit of people that I deal with, but I deal with those who are genuine and who have a genuine affection and love for people. Yes. That's it. Doesn't matter what color you are, just be just be human. Be you're a human being. But realize that black people right now are being targeted. You we have to realize that. Yeah. And talk about it. Right. Yeah, so, let me so throw some transparency here. Right. Let me throw some transparency as well because uh, one of the things that's out there in the news uh, a few weeks ago was that Lady A was trying to extort them for money. The truth of the matter is that we never asked them for money. Lady A, she just wanted her name. That's all because Lady Antebellum says we changed our name, this, that, and the other. Um, let's talk about coexisting. Lady A right up front said, I don't want to share the name because that's not practical. Right. She yeah. said she told him I'll get buried. Right. And so what they did is they, they sent us these coexisting agreements and all this is public knowledge. It's all out there. We were in negotiations. But mm. the problem is, is they never, ever gave us details of how coexisting would work. So basically what we did, uh, Lady A and our team, 
we gave them some suggestions on what coexisting would look like. Because think about it this way. Lady A is an independent artist, right? She's been doing this since 1987. So mm-hmm. we asked them the question, how are you going to guarantee her career is not going to get buried, right? Not yeah. just with Alexa, but, I mean, years from now, when all this dies down, how are you going to guarantee that her career is not going to be buried by yours? They never answered that question. So what we did is we tried to even keep the conversation going, have these uncomfortable conversations and say, well, listen, why don't you, right, help rebrand her? Rebranding means that you're going to basically either take her under your management company or under your record label, give her all your resources, or you're going to give her the money so that she can do it herself. So that's where that the money came into the picture so that, you know, we, we kept trying to give them suggestions. But listen, they never, ever said anything about the suggestions. And what they did is they basically took what Lady A had rewritten, they ripped it up, and they filed suit against her, right? And then they told the whole world, this lady's trying to extort us. And so now now we're at another conversation, right? Now we're now the whole world is going to watch us have these uncomfortable conversations, which should have been private, right? Yeah, so, I agree, 100%. <laughs> right, because we were in negotiations. Negotiations mean that we were, we were talking. We should have been right. able to continue to talk, right? But what they did, and it backfired on them, is that they went out and they told everybody that I was trying to, that my team, this is what they said, my team, the people that they hoped that the um, the team that I had now was leading me more or less in the wrong direction by asking for this money. Well, if I was white and Afro money, you wouldn't have said that. But I had the nerve as a black woman to stand up for myself and decide that I'm not going to allow you to take something from me. And so now you went out into the public and told people that I asked for an exorbitant amount of money. What is an exorbitant amount of money? Because I put high value on myself, my life, and the people in my community. Sure, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I don't yeah. know where they, you, how they figured that, that I'm not worth it that is on them to believe, and that's okay. But for you to go out and say that, more or less, I tried to extort money from you, that backfired on you because that's not the truth. So, again, that development is being disingenuous yet again. Yeah, because all the message threads and everything that people comment under their stuff is, you know, shame on you for being this way. And You guys had that one hit 10 years ago, and people were just tired of you. Just go ahead and disappear. <laughs> But it'd be it would be like it's basically it would be like it would be like uh, yeah it would be like going to Walt Disney to go into Walt Disney World and telling them that you wanted to build a replica Walt Disney right next to him. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. But um, the, the the main thing I wanted to get across with all this discussion with you is good for you for not cowering and 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 showing fear to something that like an entity that's much bigger than, you know, because I, I couldn't fathom having to deal with that. And, you know, most people would just duck and just uh, give in, right. I guess. But, you know, I, I'm backing as much as I can with, you know, stand your ground. That's the way to be because when I saw it, I was just like, man, this is just uh, – like you can go to Google right now and um, uh, Luke Bryan, the uh, co-host of American Idol, yeah, somebody right. sent me that yesterday. Yeah, he's basically, you know, saying, you know, in so many words that they've just got themselves a poop storm brewing and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know what? This is what this is where, you know, I would like to have him come on my Truth is Loud, loud panel because oh, yeah. 
you need to start, white people need to start speaking the truth. This is where the truth is loud comes in. You need to yeah. start speaking the truth. I don't, you know, if I have friends, my friends, I love them to death, but if they are wrong, they're just wrong. Yeah. And I'm going to say you're wrong. And maybe you don't want to say that in public, but somebody needs to go and pull Antebellum's coattail and more or less pull their, their money machine's coattail because sure they're thing. wrong. Yeah. And, and the thing about this is that this could easily be, well, not so easily now, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. because, well, because they are really, you know, this is, if it wasn't for God, I'd probably lose my mind in this because I do have a lot of things going on in my life, mm -hmm. um, even with COVID and still trying to run a business and still trying to make money. Thank God I have a day job, but my, um, my performances supplemented a lot of that. And by them doing what they're doing, they I am losing money in this. Mm -hmm. But for all the new fans that I've garnered that have said, I had to search for 20 minutes to find you or like you. I had to go to YouTube. I finally found you on YouTube. I get messages and I'm so, because these people are actually searching for me. And they did not have to do that before. Lady Antebellum, you need to Stop the nonsense. This is foolishness. I'm with Change your name or like I am going to continue to say, come on TV, come on national broadcast in the newspapers the same way you came out and say, black lives don't really matter to us. It was a PR stunt. We're going to keep the name. And I guarantee you all walk away. Yeah. But you're going to come out and you're going to say that because the foolishness needs to stop. We, there are so many other things that we could be doing um, coming together and having brought country music, blues and soul together. That's I'm it. not, you know, I have nothing against them, but I'm not going to let you insult my intelligence. I'm not going to let you take something from me that I've worked hard for that you could really easily change. You have yeah. one CD that you just put out that's a single under Lady A. And you've wiped me pretty much off of, of, off of social media platform. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it just happens to be, uh, you know, my forum with my podcast being a music lover. It, and it's just, it's the biggest form of bullying that you can do. And it right. just happens to be in music. And that's what drew me to it. Um, you know, yeah. one good thing that came out of it is I discovered you and became a fan uh, of ah. you on, my, on my own right and, and love, you know, your contributions. But I just wanted to, you know, and I'm grateful for that. But, you know, I'm, I'm with you. It needs to be brought out. And, you know, if they were to tell the truth, that's that's pretty much what it would be. Unfortunately, it'd be, hey, we wanted to sound good in the moment, but the bottom line right. is we're spoiled brats and we still want our pacifier and right. silver spoon. We just want. I mean, to they told good. us. They told us. <laughs> they told us on the phone calls, you know, that they, you know, you know, Charles said he never had to work a day in his life. He was a spoiled brat. Blah blah blah. Hillary, you know, I didn't know all these things about Hillary until people started telling me, you know. And Dave don't know a lot about him, but they come from money. But somebody said, somebody put on, um, you know, I mean, people send me mean things. I get more, more encouraging and inspirational words than I get the, you know, the racists and the bullies and that kind of thing. But somebody said, oh yeah, they used to sleep in their car, and you know, they they went and you know they grinded all the years. And I'm thinking, really, seriously. Please stop the madness. Yeah, you know, they, because it's not true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thing. They actually, honestly, from what I remember, 
is they just showed up out of nowhere, and next thing you know, they've got a major record label, and uh, you know, they're, exactly, they're, yeah, they're, it's just nepotism exactly because they just showed up one day on Google. They were they I my name was there, and then one day they just showed up and they were Lady Antebellum, and they were above me. Well, no big deal. It was no reason, you know. People say, well, why didn't I contest it back when? They trademarked Lady A for whatever. Well, they just trademarked Lady A for their musical purposes on June 9th of this year. Oh, so that's the Lady A that they trademarked in order to sell T-shirts or whatever, that never appeared. So I would never, and I would never think, because it's their nickname. And people need to realize that's their nickname. This is my stage and professional name. That's and it. it also stands for Anita. There you, go. you know, you know what theirs stands for? Antebellum. Well, no, it, it, now it stands for a holes. I'm sorry, that's just what it Uh-oh. is. Oh, you know what? I try not to. I I, keep, I pray for them. I really do. I pray for them that their hearts would soften and their eyes would be open. Because really, this if it wasn't for God, I would not even be in this position. Rolling Stone magazine did not have to call me, but this is something that the Lord has put in my life, and I'm, it's for a reason. Everything is for a reason in this life. And I'm a God-fearing woman, and I believe that we are here to help others. Like I said, my motto has always been that. Be blessed and be a blessing. Well, God, If they want to talk and do something and, and, and change their name, because that's the only choice I'm going with, they need to change their name, and then I, will, I am more than happy to help them. Um, in whatever way I can, or if they don't want my help, that's fine. But they need to turn this around. They really yeah. do. That's um, right. The longer they... they stay like this, because I'm not giving this up. So the longer they stay in this, it's it, it's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And like you said, they started it. It wasn't you knocking on their door. They knocking on their own door. <laughs> but um, but God probably placed it in front of you because you seem like a very very strong woman and you'll you'll get through this with no problem but um you might have a little bit of that lady in you uh you, you know from new orleans that one uh the madam lady that everybody goes and visits in the cemetery she might be one of your relatives <laughs> what's her what's her name i can't remember her name i don't know i know who you're talking about though but i don't know i don't remember i yes. just know i have my great-grandmother my great-great-grandmother my grandmother and my mother who is still living um whose shoulders i stand upon and i will not let them down by letting somebody bully me because that's not how i was raised i was raised to have respect for everybody and the lack of respect that i'm getting from the antebellum camp will not be tolerated um, there's always a way to come together um, in prayer and in and and just communication. But if you think that you're going to bully me or you think that I'm going to just lay down and let you have the name, I'm not. I'm going to see this to the end because God has placed it in my spirit that that is what was supposed to happen. That's it. Like I said, I, I got your back for what it's worth. I don't have much clout, but, uh, you know, I got a little format. That's all right. You got, you got you. That's all we need. You, uh, God, and God and me, that's all we need. Yeah. Uh, the lady, I remembered her name. It's it's Marie Laveau. You got to be related to her. She That's her lady. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she, she, was, she was known for going, you know, going up and down New Orleans healing people. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just... 
I just want, you know, I hope my music brings people um, encouragement. I'm not the normal blues singer. You know, my, my blues is, I mean, I have some funny blues songs and I have some activist songs. And I have songs that I hope inspire and encourage people. And that comes from the help of John, who's been with me, you know, John Oliver III, who's been with me for 20-plus years, and our um, partner down in Mississippi, Jack, my other co-producer, Dexter Allen, and then um, my new sister that I'm writing with, um, Roz Royster McCommon. Um, we're doing some amazing things, and we have a new uh, single that's going to come out soon. Uh, I'm not going to speak on it yet, but you're going to like this one too, John. I hear you. I'm going to keep my, my ears filled for it. John. I can't wait. <laughs> if, it, if it's anything as groovy as what we got going now, then we're in for a treat. Oh, yeah. John, I'll leave you with this. And I'll leave you with this, but uh, that's the grooviest song I've ever heard where somebody mentions eating popcorn. I've never heard that before. <laughs> have, it was so smooth. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope people really listen to those lyrics and understand that the truth is loud. A treat for all you Tiger King fans, myself included, on this week's Uncharted podcast. We have the lady who played Carol Baskin in the Joe Exotic Tiger King music video for Here Kitty Kitty. We've got the phenomenally wonderful Miss Bobby Cooper. She was really awesome to speak with. She's friends with Joe in real life. Tells a lot of amazing stories about him that they didn't let us see there on the Netflix Tiger King special. So sit back, relax, and enjoy learning about Joe Exotic from the eyes of one of his friends. (laughs) A lady that actually favors Carol Baskin, Bobby Cooper. That's next on the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. with the whole layoffs of work, I had about a month and a half off, and everybody and their grandmother's going, hey, watch Netflix Tiger King. So I go, okay, not knowing what to expect, and then sitting, I just couldn't get I couldn't get enough of it. I had to sit through the whole series. It was so crazy and interesting and entertaining. And then I see your video, Here Kitty Kitty, and you, fa- and you I thought it was Carol Baskin for a minute. He explains it's a lady he hired. And I just, I'm just so, I couldn't wait to hear the story of how you hooked up with Joe Exotic for his country music video of Here Kitty Kitty that 10 million people have viewed. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I didn't know Joe, and he saw a picture of me somewhere, and he he hunted me down. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, I, I he sent word to my best friend to call him, and I I called and they said, "Oh, you're a dead ringer for this person that we we want to kind of do a parody of." And so I went and they dressed me up in this awful outfit, and yeah. uh, and we filmed and it was all real quick, you know, maybe two or three hours. Uh, they gave me three hundred dollars for doing it, and I needed the money, so hey, cool. <laughs> Everybody <that>. wins. <laughs> yeah, it was a great video. It's funny. You know, and, and yeah, you've got the flower. That's that's how uh, Carol Baskin uh, dresses when she does her videos and everything. And you do resemble her. I mean, it's it's spot on. I mean, was that your hair and everything? Or did they oh give yeah, you yeah, yeah. Yeah, my hair's to my waist, and yeah, it's nice. It looks it looks so good. I didn't know if it was uh, you know extensions like some of these Hollywood people do. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm well, not I'm not fancy at all. I'm just a plain old lady. You know, well, I'm. 
Pentecostal woman. <laughs> I hear you. Well, you made the video. My co-host, it's interesting that you bring that up. His name is Brandon Skelton. He's not here today, but if you're ever on YouTube, look up the church comedian Brandon Skelton. He's a Pentecostal pastor. Oh, really? Yes, and he does clean comedy, and he is always looking for gigs, so maybe you can have him down your way sometime. Well, sure. My church would love that. Yeah, he. Uh, well, afterwards, if you text me the information, I'll, I'll get him uh, merged up with you. But uh, he's my dearest friend. He happens to be working tonight, or he'd be here with me. But um, I got so many questions. Like, let's just. What was it like to feed a tiger? Was that your <laughs> was that your first encounter encounter with a tiger? Yes, it was my first encounter. Um, when I first did it, there was a male lion there, and he rushed me. You know, toward the uh, cage wire. Yep. And it kind of scared me, but Joe says, "No, we won't feed him. <laughs> he says, <laughs> sure. We'll do this. We'll do this female. She's not as high strung." And so I said, "The female lion," and then I said, uh, "The tigers," you know, and uh, it was all great. I mean, I I was really uh, thrilled to get to be with the tigers, you know, get to sure. learn about them. Yeah, they're beautiful. Um, and you were in was it Oklahoma, the one that he had before he went to jail? Oh, yeah, yeah. He had this roadside zoo, and it was real nice. I really like it. Um, I think he did an excellent job. I don't think any of the animals were mistreated or anything like that. Um, He had some that were, they weren't doing well, they weren't thriving, and they were giving him problems, and he did put those tigers, I mean, lions and tigers, I don't know exactly the mix, but he did put them down. Uh Uh-huh. But he was also, this is something hardly anybody knows, he was working with the University of Colorado uh-huh. on a breeding program, and they were trying to back breed to get something similar or back to the saber-toothed tigers. Oh, really? How yeah. That? <laughs> he said uh, that when Pangaea was a you know single continent before mm-hmm. it broke up, that oh. the saber-tooth was the only cat, you know, in the area. I mean, that that was all there was, was saber tooth. And then uh, when Pangea broke up, different saber tooth started evolving independently. And there you got the leopards and the lions and the tigers and the cougars and, you know, mm-hmm. pumas and all of that, jaguars. But, um, yeah, Joe was, he was a, a lot smarter than they made him out to be. Now, I haven't seen the documentary uh-huh. I don't have Netflix and I've been right. talking to people it seems like nobody has Netflix so they can record it and send it to me or something you know Yeah. and they never contacted me about any of it I would have loved to have told them what I thought about Joe Sure. you know because I have a whole different view the man that I went and inter- I mean, and, and worked for mm-hmm. was he was real sweet. He, of course, he's gay, and that's very obvious. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. no, I mean, yes and no, but um, he told me right out, I'm I'm gay, and I got a mullet, and I, you know, he says, people <laughs> say horrible things about me, and I probably deserve it, but <laughs> anyway, he was such a, a fine gentleman to me, and he, uh, he told me to come back to the zoo anytime that I could come in free. He says, come over and stay. You know, I've got some trailers and, you know, you and your husband can come and stay here. And we did. 
Wow. After my husband had had five bypasses, and it was oh, like wow. two weeks after we drove to Oklahoma, and uh, we stayed at the zoo, and oh, at night to hear those animals as they're lowing, you know, they kind of kind of locate each other where they're at, and you know, make sure everything's calm by roaring and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know this sounds really crazy, but um. It was just such a peaceful thing to hear the growls. And the, sure. The, yeah, it, it's wonderful. And then in the morning, you hear all the monkeys and the birds and, you know, what whatever, you know, all the different animals. And they're all just chattering away. So it was such a wonderful experience for both me and my husband. And we got to hold, at the time, the rarest cat on earth. Really? Yes. Yeah. We got to hold the low ligers. Oh my goodness! How neat was that? Well, a low liger. There was only one. Um, that was really cool. I've got a picture of it. And when I um, I used my here kitty kitty status uh, to help my church make some money, and uh-huh. I put up these big posters of me holding that cat. <laughs> and you know, everybody says that looks kind of like Carol Baskin. And one girl goes. No, that ain't Carol Baskin. I saw her on the video, and I don't know why she hates him so much and then was in his video. And yeah. I, I looked there, and I said, honey, that was me. <laughs> and she goes, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling but, you, it's uh, the, the resemblance uh, is just uncanny. Like I said, um, it was so uh, authentic. Like I said, I, I was looking at you thinking, like they gave you hair extensions or something because – it's it's spot on, except you you look a lot nicer than she she looks in that, on the TV show. <laughs> well, you got to remember too, uh, everything that they filmed her, you know, with you know, I mean, all the episodes that she was in, uh-huh. those were taken at a different time, and you know, she she hated Joe. <laughs> yeah, and, she did. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the actual fight started over, but. I know for a long time there that Joe just every breath nearly, I hate that woman. I hate that woman. <laughs> you know, yeah. somebody needs to kill her, you know. And he was just joking, you know. It, it, I, he did hate her, but, you know, he wasn't really actually wanting somebody to kill her. Yeah. He was just saying that. You know how you do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's one thing nobody's ever told me that I spoke to was whether or not, you know, because you'll hear some people say, oh, he had you know, anger in his heart and generally wanted her dead. But then people would say, you know, it's just like any enemy you've got that gets on your nerves. You, you know, you say things. And so, uh, you know, and, and I've never got to meet him. Like I said, he's he's written me two letters from jail. And I I always told him, I said, if you send me something, as long as it, you know, I'm not going to read the cuss words, but I said, I'll, I'll read it in its entirety to your fans and everything, what you want to say. And he's been pretty descriptive of, you know, what's going on with him. And But, yeah, he's he's never – Hidden who he was, so you wouldn't think he'd lie or cover anything up, do you? Um, he might, but yeah. you know, I know enough about the situation that I don't think anybody would kill somebody for three thousand dollars. I no, mean, let's get real. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Ten, yeah. maybe twenty-five, fifty, definitely. You know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Not that I would, because I wouldn't. But yeah, no, um, I understand. You know, I mean that that guy was the guy he paid to go down and and kill her. 
I, yeah, I yeah. think that was more like a lark. I really do, because I don't, I don't think the guy took it seriously. And I think when he got the opportunity to be a big man, he made it sound worse than it was. Sure. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, because three thousand wouldn't cut it for a you know a chance of having to spend the rest of your life in jail somewhere. Yeah. But uh, and I think his sentence is too harsh. Even with him killing the lions, you know, and, and tigers that were the problem animals. Um, uh-huh. You know, a lot of people said he deserves it for that. Well, no, no. They're animals. you got to realize they're not people. They're animals. And you, if you have animals that are not controllable, then you have to put them down. And, you know, I've had to put down dogs when people would have them on us. I'd give them a good meal, and then, you know, you have to dispatch them. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's a terrible fact of life. Yeah, I mean... I, uh, I've never in my life, I've seen a tiger at the zoo here in Nashville, but I've never had the opportunity to get next to one. Uh, I've been next to a monkey that was pretty aggressive. So, you know, I could only imagine and, and their strength, like a tiger and a lion has strength. I could never imagine. Like if they wanted to, they could just take you in one gulp. Seems like. Well, not in one gulp, but they could tear you apart. Yeah. Yeah. Just one, one swipe of his paw, you know, and your pieces. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, because uh, they they're very mighty. Um, and I just I was just interested in, you know, uh, how many he owned. He had so many. Uh, did Did you know at the time when you went to see him how many he had there? Was it was it more than a couple of hundred? Well, it was 198 when I first went. When I went back, it was more like uh, 200 and something, 23 yeah. or something like that. But you know, he took animals from other people you know when they were tired of them and needed to get rid of them because they couldn't handle them anymore uh-huh. and those five were all that kind of animal and you know if he could if he could make them you know a good place to live and and keep them you know fairly well then he kept them but when he when he couldn't keep them and couldn't control them couldn't get them to do what they needed to do or they were fighting and stuff you know you can't have a zoo with animals fighting in it it scares people sure and they had all these memorials where you know you would you pay a certain amount a month and and he would say that this this tiger is sponsored by and then it would have the deceased name yeah and uh i had a rich stepmom and she even gave money to him I had no idea she knew him even. Yeah. So it was it was kind of funny for me to see that. I wish I, I wish he'd been able to still have the zoo because we'd have a a memorial for my dad Nan now, you know. Yeah. But uh, the zoo the zoo setup was really nice. The cages were big. They were airy. They um, but they all had covers, you know. Uh, Except the big outdoor thing, and then they had little little places where they could go and get out of the rain or, or just whatever. Um, you know, one day a week they fasted them, which they have to do because in the wild that's what they do. You know, they don't get a meal every single day in the wild, and so for their health, you one day a week you you fast them. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you know, he was always real good to make sure that they had the very best of meat and 
all the other animals, whatever they needed, vegetables or fruits or, you know, and he had a, a contract with Walmart to pick up their uh, refuse, you know, uh-huh. their meat and vegetables and stuff so that he could provide for his animals. And he had a, a truck that went about a hundred mile circuit to all these different Walmarts to get their old stuff. Yeah. And then wow. that's, he, that's a lot of what he fed his animals. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine feeding them gets really astronomically expensive after a while. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I talked to my husband. I said, well, would you let me have one of those? And he said, <laughs> he says, are you going to feed it? <laughs> yeah. Well, what am I going to feed it with? You, you know, you're the cook. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, my husband's a gourmet cook. I just... I gained 80 pounds the first year we were married. Oh, I'm sure. If you've got a gourmet cook in the house, no doubt. So <laughs> I was a little skinny thing before that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's good. That just made you happy and healthy. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's a really great guy. I hated that he had to have that five bypass, but he had had two heart attacks, and a, uh, uh, they let it, gave him too much Plavix or something, and he bled into his brain. He had to have brain surgery. Oh my gosh. And man, we went through it. But okay. anyway, about Joe. Um yeah. Joe's written me and I wrote him too and uh he said maybe I could get with his lawyer and, and we could do a video asking Trump to let him go. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> which, you know, I'd be happy to do because I really think that he got way too much time. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I really do. Um now I don't know all the different people that are in the video, you know, they or the documentary, rather. Yep. Um, different people have asked me about different ones, and they asked me if I knew about what was going on in the trailers. And, well, they were talking about a different kind than I stayed in. And, you know, I don't know about any of that. I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. And I do know, however that he had people living there that were working for him and he paid all their utilities and their food and everything even in the winter time when the zoo's just barely running you know they didn't bring in hardly anything in the winter time but um joe would always make sure he did whatever it took to make sure his people were taken care of uh-huh. and yeah, I, but- I sensed a lot of respect for him Sometimes I didn't like what he would tell him to do or, you know, he'd get mad because I didn't do something. But, you know, that's any any employer. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is that, you know, for not seeing the documentary, the things you're describing as far as like it does show parts in the, in the, in the documentary where, uh, like for one example, he's talking to this lady who was real down on her luck and, needed somewhere to go, you know, just got out of jail. And he just, you know, embraces her and says, hey, well, I got a place for you, you know, got you a job, you need a place to lay down and, you know, food and everything. And it, it seems like uh, he would take people that nobody else would take it and just, you know, try to give them a chance. So that was really nice in that case. Yes, I, I, I do know about that. Um, Joe had a big heart. And all these people who were cutting him down and stuff, I just don't understand it. Because he did take in people that nobody else would have anything to do with. Uh-huh. I think they were told to do that to make the documentary a little bit more spicy or something. Yeah. But I wouldn't have done that. I'll tell you the truth and only the truth. And Joe just wasn't a bad guy. 
and he he had a a real strong love for his parents and when Carol sued his parents it liked to have been the end of Joe I mean he really was upset and couldn't believe that somebody would try and sue his 80 year old mom even though you know he put the zoo in her name yeah uh his mom and dad were old that uh his dad had alzheimer's and his mom was trying to take care of him at 80 you know it's hard for me to take care of my husband at 60 <laughs> sure yeah i got understand. but you know to be that old and still you know taking care of your husband i i admire that woman yeah and I I think a lot of the things that Carol did, I mean, she spent $2.5 million to get $1 million in settlement on that copyright thing. Dang, that's that's ruthless right there. Spend more just to make a point, yeah. Yeah, and she wanted this truck that he had, and or I don't know if it was a truck or a trailer that was attached to the truck. Anyway, she sued him for that. And he said, it's not worth anything. And she goes, well, I want it. And so he had to take it to her or leave it somewhere so she could come and get it. And it, the board rotted out in it. And it was, you know, just junk. But she wanted anything he had so she could shut him down. And he did not abuse animals. And the only reason he took the animals to these malls and stuff to let people see them yeah. was to let people know how wonderful those animals are. He would he would take them away from their mothers so that they wouldn't get bit by a snake or laid on or whatever. They had a, a full chance to live, you know. And he would raise them and he fed them regularly and he would play with them in his home. I mean, his couch would store all the heck because those babies would eat it. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but he had so much love for these animals that I really feel uh, he went way beyond what any normal person would go through just to take care of them. And his big Hollywood minute, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, all of all of that was just to support the animals. Mm-hmm. And he sings like an angel. That's Doesn't another really? thing people were saying, saying, you know. He had somebody else sing for him. Well, that's not true. And if you listen, you can hear Joe's voice in it. Now, granted, he gets high-pitched and squeaky sometimes, but that's when he's excited. Um, He has a beautiful voice. And he said that when he was in high school, his teacher really encouraged him to sing because that was something that he did very well. Uh And that's why he started recording these country songs. Well, no kidding. Yeah, he's got he's got a big following. Like I said, every one of them I've seen, every one of them's got a million views or better. Yeah, well, they got a lot. Yeah. But I think mine ran away with it. <laughs> Yours takes the cake. Yours is by far the best one. And and, and even before I, I knew uh, that I was going to get to talk with you, I I thought that anyway. It's it's the most funny and the fact the resemblance it just makes it. Yeah, it does. You know, I had one interviewer that that said, "Well, are you going to be in the in the movie with Nick Cage?" Well, no, but I really would like to talk to Nick Cage just to let him see my side of Joe. Sure. I yeah, don't that's... care what all those other people say. Joe's not a bad guy. I mean, he has he has moments when he loses his temper. Everybody does. 
and he may not be perfect. Nobody is. Yeah, that's right. He had so much love for those cubs and all those tigers, and he could walk up to a full-grown tiger and and go, "Still need your baby," you know, and and just talk baby talk to him mm-hmm. and ask them what they were doing and pet on them and you know you know that they had a good relationship. Yeah. And it's it's hard to have a, a good relationship with an adult killer, literally. You know, that animal is a killer. <laughs> yeah. And yet he, they acted like, like little kittens around him. And I, like I said, I held, I held the low liger, and I was so impressed. They are just so sweet. Sweeter than a newborn kitten even. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's one I'd love to hold one. I just I haven't got to yet, but I bet that is quite an experience to get to just love on one for a little bit. Well, after you do, you'll never be the same. <laughs> It'd be wanting one. <laughs> yeah, you 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 have a different uh, whole view. I mean, your your whole paradigm shifts, and they go from being killers, to being just lovable cubs. You know, yeah. even the big ones, even the the great big ones. You know. You can see the love. And i tell you something else. You know, Travis shot himself. He was yeah. playing around with the gun, and he shot himself. Well, Joe went kind of crazy at that point. And I believe that's why he killed the five, you know, part of the reason why he went ahead and killed the five tigers instead of using his infinite patience that he had to work with them. Um, I think he went just a little nuts. Because he loved Travis, and and you could tell. I mean, Travis was just the light of his life. And he, yes, he had another husband too. But when you got the right one, everything's just better. And I think he had found the right one. And it was such a tragedy the way it happened. And they had to call Joe to come in, you know, after he did it. And they're all in shock, you know, all the office people, and. There he is, his brain's blown all over the place. And yeah, then, terrible. you know, the the people who come and do the crime scene stuff, you know, not that it was a crime, but it was a suicide. And, uh, well, not even a suicide. It was an accidental shooting. It wasn't a suicide. So, but they still had to come and investigate, and they don't clean up. So oh Joe yeah. and his, his staff had to clean up. Mm. Can you imagine someone you love and you have to clean up their brains? Uh, no, I, I could oh, not. Oh, it is it's it. terrible. And I, I think it just kind of grow, drove him crazy for a while. Sure. And I, mean, I think that's where a lot of the, the bad stuff came from. Mm-hmm. They didn't have compassion for him after a little while. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't pretend to know what he felt, but I know if it were me, I'd be blown plumb away. I mean, my mind wouldn't be right for years. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. Uh, if ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's somebody you love, you know, yeah, I I couldn't put myself in his shoes there. I, I, I wouldn't know. I mean, I, I could. I just couldn't fathom it, uh, how I'd handle it. What did did you get to meet uh, the new the new husband the one he's got now or the young guy or whatever? Do you know anything about him? Dylan? Oh. No, I haven't met Dylan. Um, when Joe went to Florida, I think he was done with the zoo. I think well, he knew that Carol was going to get it. Yeah. And 
I think that he kind of jumped because he found a sweet guy, and I guess Dylan just filled the hole that he had in his heart. Um, I hope they have a wonderful life together, but he'll never be Travis. And I really liked Travis. I didn't really have a lot of interaction with him, but he seemed nice. Yeah. And I knew that Joe just idolized him. What about the other one that ran away with the other employee there at the zoo? Did you have any interaction with him? No, not really. I wouldn't even have wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, who else from the from the zoo did you uh, spend any time with? Did you meet uh, the young person that uh, got uh, the arm mauled off by the tiger, Safferty Staff? No, I didn't meet Staff. Um, but, you know, Joe told me all about her yeah. and what all had happened. And he said that she knew that what she had done cost her her arm. You know, she did something that that wasn't in the protocol for feeding an animal. She put her hand in to drop the cage instead of, you know, using the stick they give her to let the the cage down. And, you know, because they do a lockout and they feed them in the lockout. Uh You know, it's a separate little cage. And then the rest, that way they can clean the, the cages that the tigers are in. So anyway, staff, staff did it wrong, and she knew she did it wrong. And, you know, they got her help and took care of her and everything, you know. Yeah. So she shouldn't have had any hard feelings, I don't think. You know, it was her own fault. Yeah, I don't think I don't think she has had any hard feelings. Uh, did you meet Jeff Lowe and his, his wife? Oh, boy. No, I didn't, and I would probably say things very unchristian. Oh, my gosh. No kidding. He has used Joe and stole from Joe, and I think the guy's a menace. And, you know, here's something I want you to consider. You know Carol's first husband? Take a look at a picture of both of them together. Not Carol. I mean, I'm talking about uh, Jeff Lowe uh-huh. and her first husband. They no look, they look like the same person. Wow, that's wild. Just younger and older. <laughs> yeah, and he he disappeared. Everybody thinks she fed him. To t- well, you already know. No, 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 no. Don Lewis was a second husband. Oh, really? Yeah. See, oh, she's goodness. been married three times. Oh, and, well, I and right now the guy she's married to is is uh, Howard Baskin, uh-huh. and he's a lawyer. And so I'm sure he was involved in the suit where she, you know, was suing Joe, and I, that's probably how they met, I would guess. But you know, I think Carol was just so zeroed in on one target; she was going to destroy him. And she spent whatever it took. She went wherever he, she needed to, did everything she could to destroy Joe. And she finally did. But he'll bounce back. He's yeah. that kind of person. He'll bounce back. I think he will. And also, he's so popular that they they mentioned him during a press conference for the president. And he, so he's aware of him. So at least he's got that. Oh, yeah. They met. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, wow. During the presidential campaign. No kidding. How cool is that? That's real cool. They exchanged, uh, you know, 
Tetsuki or whatever it's called, uh, little, like their buttons and hats and things like that. Uh-huh. They exchange stuff. And well, uh, so so Donald Trump really does know Joe Exotic, and he may kind of act like he doesn't because, you know, president's not supposed to get involved and stuff like that. But he did meet him, and yeah. I guess Joe made a pretty good impression. Well, how neat. And, and he must have made an impression on you because it seems like you guys have been friends long after the little video. That's really neat to know. Well, you know, I, I haven't seen him in years. Uh-huh. But he left such an impression on me that I just don't see where he could be a terrible boss or a terrible person, you know, and they try and make him out to be, and it's just not fair. And I'm I'm one of those people who likes to root for the underdog maybe, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. He doesn't deserve what he's got. I agree. And yeah. People in Oklahoma don't feel the same as people everywhere else. People in Oklahoma are really angry about what all happened there. Uh-huh. And they blame Joe. But it wasn't Joe's fault that Carol sued him. It wasn't Joe's fault that she took the zoo and that Jeff Lowe got involved. You know, I mean, yes, he, he needed somebody to bail him out, you know, because she'd destroyed his life. So him and Jeff became partners, you know, he was thinking he could trust the guy. Well, you can't trust Jeff Lowe. And now I don't know Joe, I don't know Jeff, but that's what I've heard from people who do. And uh, I I just think that he used the opportunity to steal Joe's tigers. Yep, that's a shame, unfortunately. Joe can't take care of him, you know, because he's in jail. Yeah. And he was a very sick man. And Travis took care of everything while he was gone. Or uh, sometimes it was John or, or um, oh, I can't think of, I think a guy named Eric, the long-haired guy. Yeah, he the just got yeah, him some new teeth. <laughs> well, um, I feel like I feel like all those people were very loyal to him. And you don't inspire loyalty by doing people wrong. Yeah, I agree. So that's kind of where I stand on everything. Um, Would I do it again? In a heartbeat. (laughs) And I've had so much fun being the here kitty kitty lady. (laughs) It's the best. It's the greatest thing. It was such a thrill. I couldn't wait to talk to you about it because – uh, right, you know, right when I found out, I just started grinning. My cheeks started hurting. I said, "You know the here kitty kitty person, the lady," and she, and she was like, "Yeah." And I said, "Oh my gosh!" Slapped me right upside the head. That's just so. <laughs> I mean, you you don't. That's just one of the most interesting things ever. I mean, you just don't get any cooler than that. <laughs> oh well, I I don't know if I'm cool at all, but uh, I you think know, you I, are. I enjoyed doing it. It was a lot of fun, and getting to be with the with the animals. It's just amazing. And, you know, he, he had this old camel, and he would have people put a cookie in their lips, and uh-huh. the camel would come over and lift them and take that cookie from them. And then he would say, now, remember how everybody's so germophobic? And everybody would go, yeah, you know. He'd say, well, y'all just all share germs with this camel. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. 
Well, oh, he was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, his tour was was like a comedy show. Yeah. You know, he and he had that one really big tiger. Uh, well, it was a, a crossbreed. If you if you do tigons, it's different than if you do. Uh, oh, what's the other way? Uh, they're a liger. Liger, yeah. Ligers don't grow weird, but tigons do, and they don't have a off switch for their growth hormones, and they just continue to grow their entire life. Oh, and wow. eventually, I think they uh, their heart explodes or something. But um, he had one, and it was so tall. He would be up on this scaffolding way above the tiger, and the tiger would rear up, and he would, I think it was 14 feet the cat stretched out to. Uh-huh. And he looked yeah. like a small horse. Not a, He didn't look like a tiger. <laughs> wow. And he wasn't Jeez. very old. He was only about three or four years old, you know. <laughs> I mean, oh, some of the stuff yeah. you see there, and he had toys for him to play with. And he didn't care if they tore him up. They'd just take him, clean him up the next day, you know. Yeah. And he'd take balloons and give to them and let them pop them. Oh, they love that. Oh, I bet. And he made a, a swimming uh, moat for them, you know, at the cage. And that was also to protect the, the guests, you know. Sure. But tigers are only a small part of, well, they were a big part of what Joe did. But uh, he had other animals that people didn't want. He had a bear there that uh, somebody had, I guess, thought was cute. And then when it grew up, it wasn't cute no more. And uh, he had birds and, and monkeys, and uh, he even had alligators. And uh, the alligator that Michael Jackson had had. Really? From Neverland? Yeah, he had that one. But it was killed when some of those PETA people jumped in and tried to, well, they set the studio on fire. And it was also the reptile cage down below and killed all of his reptiles. Oh, my goodness. He had this snake that people would put around their necks. You know, this huge, huge snake. I don't know if it was a boa or what, but uh, it was a white one. Uh-huh. Or, you know, it's kind of yellow, actually, but they call it a yeah. white one. Sure. Uh, and, and he had white skunks. Really? Yeah, yeah, man. They were cool. <laughs> I had never seen a white skunk. That was That was incredible. Yeah, and they didn't spray you, you know, because they were used to you. You know, used to being around people. Yeah. But he had good. all kinds of animals. He had hyena. He had, um, oh, gosh, I can't even think of what all. Uh, I only took the one tour inside the zoo, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my husband was so sick that I really didn't, I wasn't worried about the animals as much as I was about my husband. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I but I wanted to see so bad. And I asked Bill, I said, can we come back? And he goes, probably not. And, I, you know, I'm from yeah. Oklahoma. So when we went, we were always up north, like in Oklahoma City and Edmond and, you know. Uh, but when, when Joe first found me, I was living in Lindsay, which is uh, maybe 40 minutes from the zoo. Uh-huh. And... Uh, like I said, I, I don't know for sure exactly how he found me, except he saw a picture of me somewhere. Yeah. And uh, that was it worked out really awesome, though. I'd say so. I'd say I had so. my 15 minutes of fame, you know. <laughs> well, they're still going. You know, they're still going. Like I said, I, 
I got so excited. I lit up like a like a firecracker. I was like, "Are you serious?" Because you know, even now, um, like people still talk about it, and you know, and, and some of the references. And then uh, the the biggest ratings podcast I had was reading a letter from him in jail. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, too, they're making another episode, you know. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, they need to put and you they're... in it. You're very entertaining, too. we got to get you in one of them. <laughs> oh, I would love to do it. Um, yeah. But they have two movies coming out about him. One's with Nick Cage, and I don't know who the other one will be. Uh, but they were looking at Amanda Seyfried and uh, Kate McKinnon uh-huh. for, yeah. you know, the lead female for Carol. Yeah. And I've had a whole bunch of people say, well, they ought to get you. You already, you know, you look like her and, and you know the story. And, yeah. and I said, well, you know, maybe. I don't know. But yeah. nobody ever calls me because I'm, I'm just a real quiet lady, you know. And I, I live out here in the country, and I don't even know half my neighbors. You know, I used to in Oklahoma, but I've been ill a lot. Yeah. And uh, just just – my husband's been ill, and we just stay to ourselves, you know. We're just a kind of retired couple. <laughs> Next on deck on the podcast, he'll be performing at Zany's Nashville on September 3rd, hypnotist Rich Guzzi. That was a thrill to get to talk with him. He is hilarious. Check out his website. Check him out on YouTube. He does the funniest stuff when he puts people under hypnosis. He'll be coming to Nashville. Looking forward to that show. It's really cool to talk to him. Really awesome guy. Had a lot of neat experiences. Can't wait to see him do his thing up close and personal. I may even volunteer to get on stage. All right, that's up right now. Josh Belcher, Uncharted Podcast. Here we go. Rich, like I was saying, I was watching your videos and everything and uh, uh, watching the thing about the people uh, rapping in Chinese, it's just, uh, to me, you have the most interesting gig in the world. It just never ceases to amaze me. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I've been doing it for like 30 years now. Really? It's um, it's it's a, a, an incredible journey. Um, I, there were so many times that I said, all right, maybe it's time for me to start doing something a little bit different. But then it keeps on kind of like this metamorphosis keeps happening where um, it became more than just a funny show. It became more of an experience where people's lives started changing because of me doing the show. And I'm like, all right, I guess I got something got to explore a little more here. And I kept on diving into it. Now the show has become like an inspirational experience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. I just, um, I love, I love watching what you do. It just seems like in your field of work, uh, at, at any point in time, you have all the power in the world over a human being. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. You know, people like, you know, look at hypnosis as like the closest thing that a human can have is a superpower. Sure. Without you know, doubt. Yeah, because when you look at it, it's kind of almost like hard to swallow that this is happening. You know, you got to leave yeah. people, you know, that, that are under your control doing all this crazy stuff. It's really incredible. Yeah. It's, uh, it's wild. What, um, what what amazes me is that how uh, you know just um, it's, it's people from all walks of life too. Like it, and you, there's so many of them. You know when I see them sitting in your audience, it just looks like it's totally different people. Like there's no way it could be scripted or anything. It's just folks that you just happen to uh, have, and they just come up there and volunteer and everything. Like uh, 
what what's the process for doing that? Like, obviously, you're you're coming to Zanies here in Nashville in a couple of weeks. How, how would one get on stage to participate? Okay, so this is a really really awesome question because people are always looking for like you know the magic you know a cloak and dagger like you know pull the you know pull the curtain away let's find out what's really going on here. Yeah, and, yeah. Right. So I'm I'm going to give you exactly what happens. Um, I drive to the club, and we think about what we're going to eat that night, and I go into the the, the venue cold, and it's just a random situation that happens, and whoever volunteers the night ends up being the stars of the show. I never prepare anything. I never set anything up. I let the chips fall as they may, and people say, no way. This has got to be all set up, and I always say, well, look at the math. Let's say it was all fake, and I go in, and I'm going to start doing a process where I said, hey, man. You know, how about, you know, you want to be part of the show tonight? You know, act like a dummy and go on stage and make believe you hypnotize. You know, even if I was paying money to do it, you're gonna, uh, it's going to be hard getting people to do it. And B, the people who said no would now be in on the joke and they would tell their, you know, rest of their group. Statistically, it wouldn't work out. You, yeah. you know, you would have, even if a room was holding three, 400 people, everybody would be in, in on knowing that um, it was fake. So I just go up on stage. I do a little pre-talk. I get them warmed up, you know, tell them about the benefits of hypnosis. I um, dispel all the myths, so I take away all the fears. So um, the pre-talk is designed to get them to really say, yeah, you know what, let me get this a shot. Let me see what happens here. Then volunteers come to the stage, and then I have a really good hypnotic process that I use that knocks people out, you know, that I've developed over the past 30 years. You know, um, I got thrown into a lot of situations early on that were not really conducive for hypnotizing people easily. So I don't want to look like a dummy, so I figured out ways how to knock people out on the fly. And that's the exact process I use now today, like when I do the shows. So every night, it's by the seat of my pants. Let's see what happens. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's one thing I love. Like like you said, it, it looks like it's all just, uh, you know, like you said, uh, off the cuff, the seat of the pants and everything. Uh, uh, well, with that being said, have you ever been up there? And had somebody go crazy on you, like have a negative reaction to being hip hypnotized. Every once in a while, you'd get a little bit of an adverse reaction. Uh-huh. Um, you know, weird, weird stuff happens. So I'll give you an example. So I'm doing a show, and it was a big outdoor event. So it was like 4,000 people, you know, really big, big thing. It was a massive stage. So I'm doing this one part where um, they're getting really mad because they're in a the restaurant, and the owner of the restaurant lost their reservation, and they're really mad now. So you know, start telling the guy off, all right? So it's funny because what happens is, you know, the people get they get agitated, and the more they laugh, then the more agitated they're getting, and it could go on literally forever, all right? Yeah. So this guy was a big, tough, like, biker guy, and he gets mad, and he's getting madder. Then, you know, um, the, the, the madder he's getting, obviously the crowd's going berserk. The crowd's really laughing hard. So I'm still pushing the envelope. So I said, oh, man, hey, I think that guy tried to touch you, and that, that was it for this guy. He stood up. Sort of walking towards me. Now he thinks I'm the owner of the restaurant. Oh boy! So now this this guy is a big dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This guy's this guy's about to knock me out. So I got to be careful like, here. So, oh, so now I'm like I'm I'm waving him sleep 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 and boom he goes down. You know, he's laying on the stage and I'm like man that was a close call. You know so <laughs> you got to be careful sometimes the way you word things. You know with the hypnotic subjects and this guy really took it to heart and he was getting mad. I mean, he was fired up, and he thought the guy was trying to touch him, and that was it. <laughs> you know, and he got off, he got off the chair, and for all, and for whatever he thought, I was the owner of the restaurant. I was the guy he had trouble with. 
So, oh my gosh! So luckily, I was able to knock him out quickly, and he went down. And he and then the crowd, the crowd really went, you know, wild because now they, it was they, they were in on the joke. It was real. So, uh, but yeah, yeah but I had lots of close calls just like that. That that is insane. That is, is exciting. I've had, guys, I've had guys yak on stage, you know. Um, well, you know, during like the drunk bit or the smell or the roller coaster, those are the, those are the dangerous three with puking. Um, <laughs> you, you know, so I, I always I always keep a closed eye on those three bits, like you know, because a guy with a weak stomach, he going down on the roller coaster. The next thing you know, he's yakking on the stage. You know, so you got to watch him. But um, yeah, I'm doing, I actually have I actually have that puking video on my website. Um, you can you can go check it out. Um, so I'm doing the show. And I said, the count of three, you can open your eyes. The guy smells disgust, and the guy's farting all over you next to you. <laughs> One, two, three, open your eyes. You know, big, big dude next to him with cowboy boots. Guy yaks all over this guy's cowboy boots. Oh, so, my God. Right on the stage. And so now he's like, he's yakking. And the other the other girl next to him starts holding his hair. Like, you know, see, like when girls puke, the other girl's holding the hair for her. You know, this, this girl was like literally holding this guy's hair back so he didn't yak on, yak on his hair. It was hilarious to watch. Yeah. I, I'm so excited when I saw it on the uh, on the events there at Zany's. It's like something I've always wanted to see. And then, like I said, you had those videos. And uh, the one I was getting into was, like I said, having the people rap. And then, you know, when you, the lady hit her knees and actually gift wrapped a gift, that just like my cheeks wouldn't stop hurting. I thought that was so funny. Yes, you know it's, it's weird how some people like do the suggestion literally, like I'm like you know they'll be walking on the stage like hey watch your step, right? And they'll actually look at their feet and start watching their steps as they're walking on the stage because they, they're doing it. They do the command literally. So yes, this girl thought she was a Chinese rapper, you know, and all of a sudden her face actually looked Chinese. You know, she actually <laughs> had like a Chinese looking face on her, and then she's rapping presents. She was a Chinese rapper, and I'm like, look at this, it's hilarious. I thought she was just like you know giving us like you know you know like like it was supposed to be a rap a rap song where they're rapping in Chinese, but no, uh-huh. she took she took literally she's rapping presents. So <laughs> that, that, that was that was one of the only times I've ever had that. You know, doing 300 shows a year for 30 years, that's happened like once. That is crazy. But uh, so how how did you get into this? Obviously, you're 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 one of the best at it ever. But how how did somebody get into something like this? Is there a college for this or what? Well, here's the, I was a re, I was a regular comedian first. Uh huh. I, I was touring the country. I was I was regular headliner, um, for about twelve years, and then by accident, I ended up doing the hypnosis show. And what happened was, um, I walked into this comedy club one night, and I knew the I knew the manager of the club. And uh, she goes, hey, did you hear, like, you know, Ottawa and George on um, this, this, the radio show this morning? Ottawa and George like, was, was a dirty puppet act. He had, like, this really nasty puppet. Uh-huh. And, the pup, and the puppet was mean. It was a mean puppet. So, and he was always bust the crowd up. So he was on the show, and I guess he was, like, really railing the owner of the club. So the owner of the club went berserk and said, that's it. Ottawa and George is fired. He can never work the club ever again. His manager's with him. Fire all his acts, too. None of this guy's acts can work the club. So she's telling me the story. She says, I even had to fire everybody. I even had to fire the hypnotist, and I got to fire another hypnotist. And I was just goofing around. I said, yeah, well, I can do the hypnotizing show for you. She goes, you can do the hypnotizing show? I said, yeah. I just had this psychic bit in my act. Remember John Edwards, the psychic guy? Yeah, yeah. Talking to the dead people, all right? I, I used to do a funny bit about him in my act. So I said, yeah, I do the psychic thing. Yeah, the hypnosis thing is the same thing. She takes me in the back, opens the book up. She says, here's the week. I, here's the week. I said, I got that week open. And it was like three times the money I would normally make. So I wow. said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So I, I, I remember driving home that night. I said, well, but I learned how to do the hypnotizing show. I knew nothing about hypnosis, nothing. So I had six weeks to prepare to learn how to do a hypnosis show. So 
I'm reading books and, and I'm looking at some looking at a couple of things um, for other hypnotists trying to find out what they do. I took a, a two day hypnosis class. I remember driving back from that class saying I'm in big trouble because it's never going to work. <laughs> and then uh, I had I thought of putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. I said well, I got to try a practice show to see if it's going to work. But it's got to be in a place where if 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 you know if it goes bad, nobody's going to know what happened. Like you know like one of those like hey never work in Muskegon, Michigan ever again. You know like one of those places. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. That's, that's exactly where I did. I booked a show in Muskegon, Michigan, in the middle of nowhere. All right. So yeah. three hundred. 300 people showed up. They paid like $5 to see a, a, this no-name hypnotist was me. So I actually – so I did the show, and it actually worked. I'm like, I can't believe this actually worked. I was so excited. Sure. Did another, did another show in Altoona, Pennsylvania. All right, so I had two under my belt. Now now the, now the big gig comes along. It was like seven shows in the, one of the most famous comedy clubs in the country. All right? Like every big comedian played there. I mean, you know, uh-huh. died. You know, um, you know Damon Wayans, you know Sam Kinison, Roddy Dangerfield, you know Jerry Seinfeld, all played this club. It was a huge club. Wow. So, um, so who shows up the first night? The other hypnotist and his manager. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I'm like, oh man, here we go. And and the, back in, I look at back in retrospect, it's a smart move. Plus, you figure I go belly up. I, I you know, they save the day, they get their gig back. That makes it makes sense. So. Here was the plan. I said, I'm still a comedian. I'm going to go up and do like 15 minutes of my best material, get everybody laughing, having a good time, get them on my side. I'm going to bring 20 people on stage. However many people get hypnotized, that's going to be the show. All right, that's the plan. That's exactly what I did. I brought 20 people up. Four people got really deeply hypnotized and were killer subjects. I did the show with the four people. You know, those guys left like middle of the show. They're the guy. He's got it. He left. My confidence grew. I did seven shows that night. They gave me a massive check for doing the week. I'm like, oh, man, this is great, you know. And I never thought I was going to keep doing it. I thought, oh, God, that was it. I, just, I dodged a bullet here. But then the weird thing happened was everybody found out about it really quick because the club was big and powerful. Uh-huh. And then my, my phone started ringing, and all of a sudden people started booking me to do the hypnotizing show. That's awesome. And, and then I started taking more and more of those gigs because it paid so much better than being a regular comedian. And then here I am 30 years later still doing it. Yeah, that's so, fantastic. And uh, do you also as well do it uh, – I know you do it for the comedy side, but – you also do gigs where, like, it benefits people like Scott Smoking or things of that nature? And, and that's what happened years later. Like, so I was about, say, 10, 15 years deep. And I'm like, all right, you know what? Uh, you know, maybe it's time for a new career, all right? Uh-huh. And here's the weird stuff that started happening. I was doing the shows, and I remember getting this email from this lady, and her husband had just gotten back from the Gulf War. And yeah. she said, and so she, we get this email. She says, you know, I don't know what happened, what, you know, what you do with my husband tonight, but he was on your show, and he came back from the war. He hasn't slept in the bed for like three years, and all of a sudden he was a different man on the way home. And he slept in bed with me last night. He's back to normal, and my 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 kids got their dad back. Oh, that's awesome! That is a great story. How cool and, is that? And I'm like, wow. I said, that's what it, it, it opened my eyes. I'm like, man, this is way more than a comedy show at this point. People are getting benefits I don't even know about. That, that was like that's what opened my eyes. I didn't realize this was going on at my shows. And then so I started doing a little research. And this was happening like every single night. Wow. So and I'm like, you know what? I got to start adding more of this into the show. And that's what I did. I started adding more of the inspirational stuff, and I started adding more of the things where people can make their lives better. That all of a sudden more people started coming to the show for that. So they were yeah. getting a funny show, but then they were making their lives better at the same time and bringing their friends. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting like hundreds of emails every month from these people changing their lives. I'm like, all right, now I got to keep on doing this. I got to keep on going. 
and that's yeah. why I kept on. That's why I kept on doing it. That's just a gift for you. And it, and it seems like a person that is a hypnotist has to be like uh, a uh, like a type A personality in real life, like a go getter, someone that's good at leading a crowd and everything. Is that your personality? Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, anybody could be a hypnotist. However, there's a big however. The person with that a, that A personality is going to be the real good one. Uh-huh. You know, because you have to be, have that authoritative personality. You know, you know the subjects are under command of the hypnotist. You, you know, you and, and the better um, the better the commander. You know, the better the subjects are going to be, and also the better induction you're going to do. So yes, it's um it's a very good uh, benefit having that outgoing you know extrovert personality where you're like you know you're going to go out and you you, you like to be the, the the person in charge of the room. You you know you want to be the light life of the party. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I thought. I thought you'd have to be like a, you know, a full on like, like almost like a, like the captain of the sports team or something, like someone that can handle under pressure because you're, you're you're like you said you're commanding people because once they're down they're completely under your control as far as I'm aware. Yes, um, uh, you, you know, um, a, a lot of hypnotists will tell you, you know, and, and um, they'll say, oh yeah, you know, the subject's still in control. Actually, it once the subject is real deep. The, um, the 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 controller, the hypnotist, is really in control of the situation, and you can you can get a lot of stuff done with that power. So there's a lot of, there's a huge responsibility that comes along with it. Also, you know, a great hypnotist has great responsibilities because you know you're you know in control of these people's minds, and it's your responsibility to make their life better. You know, for the experience. So yes, the, the type A personality people are going to be the better hypnotists. Uh, for sure, they have a, just have it, it's part of the skill set needed to do the job well. Sure, and you definitely couldn't buckle under pressure because, like I said, uh, you know the videos I've enjoyed and everything. It, it seems like some of them there's you know there's a whole row of people sitting up there. It's not just one. It's like you know five, six, ten of them going at a time. So yeah, and sometimes I do cruise ships where there's twenty people. You have to hypnotize twenty people at the same time. You know, wow. uh, it, it's um, and sometimes it's not easy. You know, sometimes there's people on stage fooling around, trying to ruin the show on purpose, you know. So it, it's your responsibility to go up there and make sure that doesn't happen and to eliminate the bad pills, obviously. But um, sometimes the subjects aren't easy also, and it's not their fault. You know, some subjects are easy, some are hard. And some nights you have a, a night where the subjects are all hard, and now you're earning your bones that night. You've got to be able to you know, go in there and do what you need to do. And the person with the, eight, the, person with the big personality – and and the big power, they're the one who's going to get the job done. That's awesome. Hey, well, I tell you what, uh, I know it's uh, it's it's right around the corner here. It's the, the third, right? September the third here at Zanies in Nashville. September the third, Nashville. It, this is one of my favorite venues to play. Um, this is a great club. They have a great sound system. The people who come are just awesome. Um, the, the whole staff is just great. The stage is got. I get they always put a big stage up for me. So we can have it's it's a really a big extravaganza, and I'm really excited about bringing you know uh, the show back to you know back to Nashville because you know listen obviously like you know the scenario going on with you know with uh, the social distancing stuff and all the things going on you know people want to get out and have start having fun again yep. you know so um, I I can't wait to do this I know I'm excited for it it's gonna be my first go around and and if you if you already aren't to capacity I'm I'm the type that uh, I'll get up there and volunteer. Uh, and I, I just like the experience that I never have. So, I, uh, if you, like I said, I'll uh, I'll be meeting you there. I definitely look forward to it. Uh, absolutely. Listen, this stuff is life altering. You, you know, you can see like it's very easy um, to lose weight, quit smoking, sleep better, reduce your stress in your life, cure fears and phobias. 
I mean, that stuff is child's play compared to, like, what you have to do on stage. Like, in other words, if you can be hypnotized to the level where you need to be good on stage, then you can easily do all the self-help stuff. It's a total cakewalk. That's so awesome. this, this is good for everybody. You know, and I have, I have a whole line of programs that I, I do just for that. You know, just, you know, people want to lose weight. They want to quit smoking. I have a whole line of programs on my website to help people with all that stuff. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. All this stuff is available on your website, and then you have, you know, because I just started following you on Instagram. You've got all the social medias as well, correct? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You know, I'm so I'm really easy to find. They just put hypnotist rich. I come right up. You know, and then you know, or, or just you know, richguzzy.com. It comes up super easy. You'll find me right away. Yeah, it's a it's a really well put together website. It's easy access to all of it. I, I when I was looking, at it, I was like, man, this is well put together. It's uh, it's good to check out. So yeah, I definitely recommend that. And- And that wraps up this week's Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Special thanks to my guests, Lady A, Bobby Cooper, and Rich Guzzi. Appreciate every one of them taking their time to talk with us here on the good old Uncharted Podcast. And most importantly, I want to thank you, the listeners, for taking the time. Without you, there's no point in it. And remember to go to the Nashville Scene website and vote for us, the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast, as best podcast in nashville the voting ends the 31st of august and remember as always i love you for you and where you're at in life have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time all right goodbye everybody Mm